Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. All right, well, we are going to continue in a message series called Stay Positive. And we uh, just kind of have been talking about how to stay positive in a world that's increasingly negative. And this is not just self-help, uh, that kind of thing, but it's, it's learning how to look at what the Bible says about how we can be confident and positive. How many like stories? I'm a story person. I like stories. Well, there's a story about uh, two Marines. There was a young guy. He was a private and his uh, commanding officer, and they were going to a recruiting Thing. So they got on a train, and they were headed to a recruiting um, station, trying to think of the right word, and there's no place to sit except across from this young lady and her grandma. And as the ride went along, they could tell that the young man and the young lady were kind of attracted to each other. And so they came to a tunnel, and you know on a train it gets really dark when you go through a tunnel. Well, when it got really dark, you could hear a kiss, and you heard a really loud smack from a slap. As they came out of the tunnel, all four of them were just kind of looking at each other, like, what just happened? Well, the grandma thought, well, it was really brave of that young guy to kiss my granddaughter, but I'm glad that she slapped him. The commanding officer said, you know, I didn't think that Marine was brave enough to kiss the girl, but I wish she hadn't missed him and slapped me instead. (laughs) And the young woman's thinking, well, I'm really glad the Marine kissed me, but I wish my grandma hadn't slapped him. And the young Marine was like, this is the best day ever. He said, I got to kiss a pretty girl and slap my commanding officer all at the same time. (laughs) That young man knew how to live, didn't he? And um, today I want to talk about how to stay passionate, how to live with passion. Now, many of you know when we uh, give our lives to Christ, we're usually very passionate about it, right? We're excited about what God's doing in our lives. But along the way, sometimes it's easy to kind of slip into uh, just kind of cruise mode, isn't it? In our relationship with God, it's easy to kind of let things slide, to let other things become more important. But if we want to stay positive, we want to keep a positive attitude about what God is doing in our lives, it's important for us to stay passionate in our relationship with Him. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, one of my very favorite passages from the book of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'll give you a second to get there. It's also on the screen. If you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, if you hit that More tab and hit Events, all the notes are there for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says, We are God's what? Masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? It's something that's done well, something that's put together well, something that someone put a lot of work into. And guys, so many of us spend our lives feeling like we're an accident, don't we? We feel like we just kind of happened. But Paul here says that God created us as a masterpiece. So it says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We were created with a what? Purpose. God created you and me for a purpose. He created you and me with something in mind, something for us to do. And guys, I know so many of us spend our lives, we feel like God kind of got us in a package deal, right? Like he saved the world and I just kind of came along for the ride. But Paul here is saying that God created each and every one of us with a purpose. 
He put work into us, right? He has something for us to do. So that means that we need to live our lives for him, right? We need to live our lives with passion. And so, and we're going to talk about a word today. It's, a, it's kind of a big church word we use, call, and the word is redeemed. To redeem something means to buy something back, to get something back that was taken. It means that you pay a price for it. And so today we're going to look at how that word redeem can help us live with passion. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that this morning you would speak to each and every one of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would work in us and help us to see that we were bought at a price, that we were redeemed. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live our lives with passion. Lord, not to live on accident, but to live with passion, with purpose, because you created each and every one of us for a reason. Lord, help us to see the value in that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So to remain passionate, we have to remember our redemption. We have to remember our redemption. We have to remember why Jesus chose us. So to be passionate, we have to remember our redemption. And the fact that we're redeemed should change the way that we see ourselves. The fact that we're redeemed should change the way that we see ourselves. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, it's easy to just kind of go, right? But when we see ourselves, we need to see ourselves as someone who is redeemed, as someone who was bought, someone who was paid for. There was a story about a young boy who built a sailboat. He bought one of those kits, and he took the time to build it, and he painted it, put a lot of love into this thing, and he took it out to the city park, and there was a big pond, and he pushed it out in the water to see if it would float. Well, it did, but it floated away. And he couldn't get to the other side of the pond. He, was, he didn't have his parents there. And so he just kind of watched his boat disappear off into the distance. And it was really sad. Well, a few weeks later, he was walking home from school, and he walked by a pawn shop, and he found his boat in the window. Somebody had found that boat and went and sold it at a pawn shop. And so he went inside and said, hey, that boat in the window is mine. And the owner said, no, that's mine. <laughs> and he said, well, I built that thing. And the guy said, well, I bought that thing. And so they kind of haggled back and forth, and finally the kid paid a couple of dollars for it and took it home. And the way home, he said, all right, boat, you are mine. He said, I built you, and I bought you. You're twice mine. And that boat floated in the bathtub from then on, never anywhere else. But guys, how many know that we are twice gods? Because he created us. Paul said I, he, we are his masterpiece created for a purpose, but then he also what? He redeemed us. He paid for us with his life. Because each and every one of us have sinned. Each and every one of us have done wrong. And we deserved what? Death. But Jesus paid the price for us. So we are twice his. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, Paul says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been right, right in God's eyes by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. 
Isn't that amazing? Jesus died for each and every one of us because he loves us. Not because we're good enough. Not because we've done the right things. Not because we were born into the right family, but because he loved us. So the fact that we're redeemed should change the way we see ourselves. And that should make us passionate. That should help us live with passion. Because Jesus loves you and loves me and loves us enough to die for us. He loved us enough to make us and create us with a purpose, but then he loved us enough to die for us to buy us back. Right? That's something to get excited about. And I know it's easy as we're, you know, we've been Christians for a while. We just kind of get into that cruise control mode. We forget that we were redeemed. And sometimes it's good for us to think back to who we used to be, right? To think back to, oh, man, Jesus, he brought me back from a lot. I know when we go back to my hometown, I'll show my kids, oh, you know, I, I used to hang out here. And I think, ooh, I did some bad things there, right? I'm, I'm glad I'm different. <laughs> well, I used to, oh, yeah, I can't, yeah. I'm glad I'm different. That's what I tell my kids. I'm really glad I'm different now, right? So we were redeemed for a purpose, we were redeemed for a purpose. Jesus died for us so that we can have purpose, right? He says that we were created to do the good works that he created in us a long time ago for, right? So we were redeemed for a purpose. Jesus bought us back and gave us purpose. He gave us something to do. He gave us a reason. A reason to live, a reason to move, a reason to have life. And so I used to work with a young lady at a pregnancy center in Missouri. I was, uh, I was an, a presenter for them. And there was this lady that was in that, that she would go and do classes with me. We went into public schools and taught classes. And this young lady, she would go into class, and we weren't allowed to talk about Jesus openly. But, you know, sometimes I had a class, and a kid from my youth group would be in there, and we could always answer questions, you know, <laughs> So I say, hey, ask a question about God, and then we can talk and have a conversation about it, right? And so some kid asked something about purpose, and this young lady that was teaching with me that day said, you know, it's funny, when I was born, my parents told me I was an accident. And she said, you know, my, um, my dad had a surgery, so he shouldn't be allowed to have kids, and my mom was taking birth control pills, and I still came out. <laughs> and she said, I'm not an accident, I'm on purpose. She's like, there is no scientific way I'm alive, but... I'm here. You know, and I always laughed about that. But each and every one of us is like that. God created you and me for a purpose. We're not an accident. We're not part of a package deal. He bought us and redeemed us and created us for a purpose. And we were redeemed at a high price. Jesus paid everything for us. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says, For you know God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. I love that. He paid a what? A ransom. What's a ransom? Something you have to pay to get somebody back, right? He paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it wasn't paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he's been revealed for your sake. Guys, Paul, or Peter says God planned that way back. All the way back in the Garden of Eden. 
He knew that he was going to have to ransom us. He knew he was going to have to redeem us because he knows our tendencies. He knows our sinful nature. And so he paid for us. So guys, every one of you watching online, every one of you in this room, Jesus paid for you with his life because he loves you and he has a purpose for you. You're not an accident. I'm not an accident. We're here for a reason. And so that should make us look at ourselves differently, shouldn't it? When we're tempted to devalue ourselves or to say things to ourselves, we have to remember that we are bought at a price. But more than that, you were created with a purpose. God has a reason for you being here. And here's the great thing. His purpose is never done. You know, some of us think, well, I'm getting a little older now. You know, maybe God's kind of done with me. No way. He still has a reason for you to be here. He still has things for you to do. So to remain passionate, we have to remember that redemption. But we also need to live differently. To be passionate, we must live differently. We can't be like everyone else if we want to be more passionate than everyone else. And when I say passion, I'm not just talking about excitement or caffeine high. I'm talking about having a reason to live. So to be passionate, we have to live with thanksgiving. We have to live with thanksgiving. One way to thank the Lord for redeeming us is by living a life of thankfulness, right? Rob Ketterling, he's a pastor up in Minnesota, he said this, Gratitude grows generosity. Gratitude grows generosity. So to live with thanksgiving, we must be people who are willing to give, right? Give of our time. If we're thankful for what God has done and we're passionate, we're going to give our time, right? I know some of you came and helped set up for VBS. It was, it was some work, right? And it was amazing. Friday, we got done with Vacation Bible School, and we were feeding people in the parking lot. And it was great, man. We had community people here eating hot dogs. And we were, you know, kind of chatting with them. And while we're doing that, there were people behind the scenes in here tearing stuff down. It was, the transformation was incredible. It went from looking like a desert to being back to normal in like an hour. That takes work. People were willing to give of their time. Being willing to give of your talents, your treasure, your finances, your encouragement, your instruction. So to live with thankfulness, to live with thanksgiving, we have to be willing to give of ourselves and to take a moment to thank God for what he's done. When I was a youth pastor, we were um, in southern Missouri. And so every year at Christmas time, we would take a trip to Mexico. Uh, we would go across the border into different towns. And, and there was a, a little gentleman in town. He was a real estate agent, but he loved going to Mexico. And his Spanish was horrible. But he would go to Mexico every year. And we would load up gifts, and we would take them down, and we would give kids Christmas gifts. Over Christmas break, so like the day after Christmas until the day before New Year's, we would go and we'd go down there and we had um, precious moments. If you ever seen those little precious moments of dolls, their headquarters was just north of us. And they would give us a, literally a truckload of dolls to take to Mexico. And then we'd load the rest of the trailer with soccer balls and we'd go down there and we'd give things away. And it was really fun because we would leave right after Christmas, you know, and all the teenagers had all their new stuff, their new gadgets and all that. And we'd go into Mexico and we would spend several days down there giving Christmas gifts to kids. And we would show the Jesus film in and, and Spanish. And we'd give an altar call. And we'd pray with families. And when you come back, you know what those kids were? 
They're all different because they were thankful. You know, we'd be down there and they would see people who lived with almost nothing, but they were content. And so we would come back and they were like, oh, I have so much, you know, and their parents would say, thank you, right? And then about six months later, they'd be like, can you take my kid back? <laughs> they kind of lost that thankfulness. Uh, it's easy to do. So we have to be thankful. We have to live with thanksgiving. But we also have to live with intentionality. We have to live with intentionality. What does that mean? I have to live with a purpose. Guys, it is so easy for us to live our lives on cruise control. It is so easy for us to live our lives almost on accident. Instead of living with purpose, we just kind of react to whatever comes at us. But if we want to live passionately for Jesus, we have to live with some intentionality. That means no more drifting or what they call vision stall, losing our purpose. I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul says this, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are, what's that word? Wise. Live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Living intentionally means living on purpose. It means making time to do things that matter. How many of you know you get up sometimes in the morning and you got a list of things you have to do, and when nighttime comes, how much have you done? Because we react, we respond, right? If you're not intentional, if you're not purposeful, it's easy just to kind of drift. Especially if you have a short attention span. <laughs> I am horrible at this. If I'm not on purpose, I'll get distracted by every shiny thing that ha comes along, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go, oh, look at that, you know, and I'll go do this. No, okay, well, I, I got to focus. Oh, look at that, you know, hey, there was a squirrel. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. We have to live with intentionality. That means we have to find God's purpose for our lives and live on purpose. To live with intentionality. To know what we have to do. To know why we are created. So we have to make decisions with the end goal in mind. We have to make decisions with our end in mind. You've heard me say this before. Andy Stanley has this line. He's got a whole book called, used to be called The Best Question Ever. Um, I think now it's called Ask It. But he says that if we want to live our lives with intentionality, there's one question we have to ask every day. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the what? Wise thing to do. You guys know this, right? And there's a reason we do that, because it's so easy to just kind of drift. It's so easy to get caught up in stuff we don't need to be doing. Do you think people intentionally train wreck their lives? No. But we get caught up into doing things that don't matter. I can't tell you how many men I've talked to who've lost their families that say, I didn't do this on purpose. It just kind of happened. I just kind of drifted, and this happened. So we have to live with intentionality. People don't wake up and, and destroy their marriages on purpose because they weren't living with what? Purpose. We have to make decisions with the end in mind. And then, lastly, we have to live with joy. When we live with purpose, then we have joy because we remember what God has done in us. And what God is doing in us. Galatians 5, and 23 says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That stuff happens when we live with purpose in our relationship with Christ. When we live with intentionality, when we live in a relationship with Christ, we have those things come out in our lives. So what does this look like? I know this is really easy to you know, throw these big things up. You know, we have to live thankfully. We have to live on purpose. What does that look like? It means finding time every day to spend with Jesus. It means taking time to, to read your Bible, to take some time to pray, to be in his presence. It means making decisions on purpose. Okay, I think God wants me to do this. I'm going to do that. It means making time to serve, right? You know, COVID did some horrible things, but it also brought some good stuff, right? One of the things COVID did is it made people take time to notice things. It made people take time to live on purpose because we realize how fleeting things are and how much this microscopic organism can destroy our world, right? And so it made us start to live on purpose. So it means taking time to spend with Jesus and to make decisions based on how we want to get there, where we want to go. So we have to live differently, and lastly, we have to see differently. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> we have to look for things. How many of you know whatever we look for is what we're going to find? Right? How many of you have ever done this? You start looking for a new car or a different car, maybe not a new car, but you're looking for a different vehicle. What do you start to notice? That vehicle everywhere you go, right? Are they just appearing? No, they've been there. You just haven't noticed them. Or if it's coming up time to renew your cell phone contract, and you've been happy with your phone for a year and a half, but what starts happening? I hate this thing, right? You start noticing all the things that irritate you about it, right? Because you're looking for it. And so, guys, if we want to live with passion, we have to start looking for different things, right? And the first thing is you have to start seeing the value in people. To be passionate about Christ, we need to start seeing the value in people. And, guys, it is so easy to see people as an irritation <laughs> because they're irritating sometimes, aren't they? But when we start looking at people the way that Jesus looks at people, we start to see them differently. We start to have compassion. We start to look at them as Jesus looks at them. Because, guys, every one of us was redeemed, right? We said earlier, Jesus paid a price for each and every one of us. Well, guess what? He did that for your neighbor as well. He did that for the people at work that just drive you insane. I used to work retail. If you ever want to get irritated at people, work retail. It is incredible. Every nutcase in the world comes into your store. Like, I am not kidding. It is horrible. And we had to, you know, the store I worked at, they were very big on cleanliness. So every night we had to go through and straighten every shelf, bring everything to the front, get them organized, right? Well, there was a lady whose son had eaten something that didn't agree with him. And so he was going to vomit. We had trash cans all over the store. You know what she did? She picked up a bowl, had him puke in the bowl, and then put it back on the shelf. So guess what happens when Rex is coming along? <laughs> I grab this thing. <sighs> and this that chain reaction, you know, I almost threw up, which would have made everybody else in the store throw up. So it's, it's, who does that and leaves it, right? 
But I had to take time intentionally. And there were times I would go back in the stock room and be like, Jesus loves these people. Jesus loves these people. I cannot kill the, you know, I, because you have to look intentionally. So we have to start looking at people's value through God's eyes because he paid for them. He created them with a purpose. Even if you can't stand to be around them, Jesus paid for them, right? And we're not going to like every person. Every person is not going to like us, but we can see their value. And we can love them even if we don't care for them. Well, what does that mean? It means taking time to talk to them. It means taking time to say, Lord, can you open up a door for me to share you with them? If I'm going to be stuck with them every day, at least let me tell them, you, tell them about you, right? We have to look at how valuable they are in Jesus' eyes. And then we have to see the value in eternity. Guys, it's so easy to get caught up in the here and now. It's so easy to think that this world is going to be here forever, and it's not. But eternity is. Eternity is our destiny, guys. And we have to start thinking in terms of that. When we start thinking with the goal in mind, the end in mind, we start making better decisions, right? I can't tell you how many times I've talked with, with people who say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I say, that's not going to get you where you want to go. I have to have that conversation with people sometimes. This road you're on, I've seen the end of it. And it's not good. You have to make different decisions if you want to get here. You know, I can't tell you how many young people I've talked to who say, you know, I, I want to serve Jesus and I want to find a good person. I want to get married. <laughs> like, Well, this road is not going to get you there. You need to make different choices. Because it's easy to think about the here and now, right? But not the end game in mind. So we have to start thinking about eternity. And guys, when I think about eternity, it gives me joy, right? When I get frustrated, when I get tired, when I get mad about things going on in this world, I say, well, this isn't all there is. There's more. Someday I'm going to be with Jesus forever. I don't have to pay taxes then, right? I don't have to worry about this or that. And then lastly, we have to see the value in ourselves. We have to see the value. We talked about it a little bit earlier. But guys, it is so easy to let the world tell us what we're worth. It is so easy to let other people's opinions tell us what we're worth. But what does Jesus say? He says he loves us so much that he what? Died for us. He redeemed us. And you know, when we let other people give us value, it's always going to be less than what we're really worth, right? And sometimes we're the worst about it ourselves, right? We devalue, that's hard to say, devalue ourselves. How many times have you done something and you say, oh, idiot, <laughs> right? To yourself. You never say that to someone else. We say it to ourselves. How many times do we make decisions that are detrimental to us or detrimental to our future because we don't value ourselves. So guys, there may be people in your life who tell you that you're not worth anything. There may be people in your life who treat you like you're not worth anything. But there is a God who loves you enough that he gave his life for you. But not only that, he created you with a purpose. So don't let what other people say, don't let what other people do determine your value. You have to look at yourself through God's eyes. You have to look at yourself through what he says about you. And he says he loves you enough to die for you. He says that he loves you enough that he created you with a purpose. Enough that he calls you a masterpiece. 
Now, I used to have a friend that says, God doesn't make junk, <laughs> right? And that's true because he loves you. He created you with a purpose. So I'm going to ask Pastor Kenny and the worship team come up. And if you're physically able this morning, would you stand with us? Lord, I thank you this morning that you love each and every one of us in this room, that you love each and every one of us that are watching online together, or maybe even later on today. But Lord, I thank you that you love each and every one of us, that you love us enough that you created us, that you call us a masterpiece, you call us your handiwork, and it says you created good works for us to do. Lord, you created us with a purpose. And God, I just pray that you would help us to see that in ourselves. Lord, would you help us to see that value that you have in us? Help us to see that value that you have in our neighbors, our coworkers, the people on our teams at school, the people that we run into on a daily basis. Lord, help us to see the value that you have in each and every one of us. So Lord, I pray you would help us today to live with passion, not just to live on accident, but to keep that passion for our relationship with you. And Lord, to do that, we, we have to remember our redemption. We have to live differently than the world. We have to look for different things. So with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I've kind of forgotten the value that Jesus has in me. I've forgotten the love that he has. I've forgotten that he created me with a purpose, that he loves me. But I want to get that back. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right here? We want to pray with you this morning. I just need to have that. I need to remember that value that he has in me. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to live different. I've let my passion kind of slide. I'm kind of living on accident. I've let the world steal the joy that I have. I've let the world tell me what I'm worth. But I want to know, I want to live on purpose again. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where we want to pray with you? Yeah. And then lastly, I'm here you say, you know, I get so frustrated with people. It's easy for me to treat people like they're really not worth what they are. And I want to change that. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pray this morning, and then we're going to close with a song. And if you want to come up and pray about this, you're welcome to come up. Someone will meet you up here and pray. If you have a need, if you want to come up here in one of the sides, someone will meet you up here to pray. But Lord, right now, I just pray for all those who raise their hands today. Lord, there are some of us who have forgotten what we're worth. We've forgotten our value. Lord, there are some of us here today who've let the world steal our joy. There are some of us here today who are just living life on accident, making choices that, that aren't good for us because we're just kind of floating. But Lord, would you help us to get that passion back? And Lord, if there are any of us in here today who don't have a relationship with you, Lord, would you speak to us about that? Or if there are any of us here today who have let the world tell us what we're worth and we're treating ourselves differently because of that, Lord, would you help us to see the value that you have in us? And Lord, would you help us to see the value in others? In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with the song, guys. If you want prayer, come up to the front. Someone will meet you up here and pray with you this morning.